0: Director of Unsheltered International We're a missionary organization based right here in Coleman and right here out of Temple uh, My wife uh, April is here with us and of course Sarah Ann, our daughter And our son Hunter's here somewhere And uh, most of you know us but for the sake of uh, those of you that may not I wanted to tell you who we were and I want to ask you to pray for us Because uh, as you know uh, the church helped us go to the Philippines In January of this year, and and, uh, God did great things there. Well, God has opened up doors for us to be invited back to go next January and hopefully stay for a period of about five months and work with several churches there. And uh, so we're praying uh, for that. We are going. uh, We're just not sure exactly how long we'll get to stay for. But our prayer is January to May. So if you'll pray for that endeavor we would appreciate it. And you know what? Uh, Giving your time, your life, your resources, and anything you have for God's work is always worth it. Say amen right there. And thank you for your support and help. We thank you for that. All right, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 19 and 20 is what I want to read. The Bible says this, If in this life only we have hope in Christ... We are of all men most miserable. That means out of them all, out of all people, all men. If if only here we have hope in Christ, the apostle said, "We, have, we are of all men most miserable." But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruits of them that slept, or of them that are dead. But now is Christ risen from the dead. I want to pray and, uh, and then uh, give you a message entitled, There is Hope. Pray with me if you will. Father, I love you so much. Thank you for the goodness of God, and thank you for this day. Thank you for what you've already accomplished, Lord, in the first two services, and God, I believe that, Lord, you're uh, right here with us again for this one. And I pray you would go up and down each aisle and in and out of each life and each situation today and work the works of God. Lord, only you know what's needed secretly in the hearts of, of all of us. And God, we know that you have full capability of fixing and repairing and encouraging and saving And I pray you'd accomplish all that today. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. In in, in this 15th chapter of Corinthians, it's it's become one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's all about the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of believers. And in verses 1-9, through the Apostle Paul wrote and he talked about the message that he had to declare. And you'll find that that message was none other than the gospel message. And what is the gospel? We know that the gospel is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the good news of the gospel. It's all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And by the way, that's where our hope and our faith is anchored as true believers in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else. Say amen. So then, in verses 12 through 20, after he declared the gospel, there was a mindset that he disputed. A mindset or a, a belief system. Look, if you will, at verse 12. He says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? In other words, he says, if we are preaching that Christ rose from the dead, and we have preached that to you, and if you have received that into your life as a fact that Christ rose from the dead, how come there's some of you that say and that are of the mindset that there's no resurrection from the dead? Now it is believed that the Corinthians, they were believers and they believed in the resurrection of Jesus, but they had their doubts about the resurrection of believers, about the resurrection of those beside Christ. And so Paul, the apostle, he writes this whole chapter. The point is to dispute their unbelief. And thank God he did, amen. And thank God for the Lord's men that that preach and argue For the sake of the gospel. Then in verses 51 through 58. There was a mystery that he divulged. Or a mystery that the Apostle Paul solved for them. And that of course was the mystery of life after death. Well I want to look back today at that second one. And I want to look back and talk about the mindset that the Apostle Paul disputed. Uh, Actually... If you look into this, it was a mindset of no hope. Anybody ever uh, read, I used to read this a lot when I got the paper, but that little comic called Beetle Bailey, y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I used to have one of them cut out in, in one of my old Bibles. I think I kind of had it stuck in there or taped in there because it was just so funny. It reminded it reminded me of myself sometimes, but in that this particular one I'm talking about, they were in this training session, and uh, the class was being taught, you know, by a superior officer, and he was at the chalkboard, and, uh, and he was teaching the class, and he said, okay, class, there's uh, mountains on either side of you, the, the enemy troops are behind you, and there's a river in front of you, what's your next move? And of course, Beetle Bailey, he raised his hand, and he said, dial 911. And, uh, and I always thought that was pretty cool because that's usually something I would do. I, you know, I have the answer. I'm a soldier, but look somewhere else for it. Beatle's problem was he just didn't see no way out. He had forgotten that he himself was a soldier. He was part of the army, and they could fight their way out. Well, hope is a lot like that. Through Jesus Christ, you and I possess the answer. We know the King of Kings. And and better than the fact that we know Him is the fact that He knows us. Say amen right there. And we have hope. The word hope means to wait with joy and full confidence. Sadly, there's many today that are living with no hope, no reason, no rhyme in their life, no, no no, foreseeable way out, living with no hope. So the point here in this chapter that the Apostle Paul is trying to make is that because Christ rose from the dead, there is hope. There's hope for me because of Christ. There's hope for you because of Christ. There's hope for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever lived because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, every Christian here this morning can be sure that there is hope. You can leave here today... Anchored down in your soul and being sure that this is not the end. You can be sure that there's hope. And that's my objective today. Is to convince you through the scriptures that there is hope. Now how, do we, how can we be sure? By understanding the three observations that we're going to lift off of these pages. So number one. Observation number one. I want you to see the placement of our hope. The placement of our hope. The Bible says, as we talked about already in verses uh, 1 through 9, the Apostle Paul goes through there. And let me just read a couple of these. Verse 3 says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, According to the scriptures. And you'll see that that phrase throughout this chapter a lot used by the Apostle Paul. And that's an important phrase. According to the scriptures. What he was saying was, hey, this is not my opinion. This is not something I read somewhere. This is not something I pulled out of the sky. But according to the scriptures, he says that Christ died for our sins. Verse 4, he says, and that he was buried... And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so what the apostle tells us here is that our hope needs to be placed in the right place, so to speak. Where do we place our hope? Number one, it's placed in the gospel of Christ. And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection plus nothing Minus nothing. That is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is not the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ plus going to church. It's not the death, burial, and resurrection plus being good. It's not a plus anything. It's not minus anything. The good news is that Christ lived, He died, and He rose again from the grave. Amen. And by the way, because that is the gospel. It makes it accessible for all, all races, for all color, for all, uh, for, 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 for all economic scale. And listen, you don't have to be rich to come to Christ. You don't have to be poor to come to Christ. You don't have to be anything except called of God to come. So he says it is imperative to place our hope in the gospel of Christ. And that's why Paul said in Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. He's saying here, because that Christ's gospel has power over death, hell, and the grave, therefore I'm not ashamed. Amen. Amen. So our hope is placed in the gospel of Christ, but number two, secondly, it's placed in the grace of Christ. Verses one through nine, he tells of the gospel. But then in verse 10, I think that as as Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, I think the Lord allowed him to get a little happy. And think about what happened on the Damascus Road. And he says this. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see, it's the gospel that, that, that gives us the ability to be saved. But it's the grace of God that makes it real and attainable and personal in our lives. And thank God for His grace. Amen. I want to share a, a story and a picture with you. And I think I've told you about this gentleman before, but it, it bears repeating. This is me before I had a woolly beard. Say amen right there. But on the left is my friend James Dennis. James is 73 now. This picture was taken just a few years ago over in the Augusta area at a tent revival. When James was 62 years old, his life was in a mess. He had his own business for many years as a, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, He poured concrete. He had a concrete business, poured driveways and stuff. But he, he became an alcoholic, and he also used cocaine. And all that lifestyle caught up with him he found himself destitute of all hope, all joy, found himself homeless, living on the streets of Augusta with not even a clean change of clothes. So one day, another guy that lived on the streets that had been to the mission that April and I operated in Augusta saw James, and James was telling him, man, how bad he was, and man, I need some clothes. Everything I got's filthy. And the guy told him, Well, if you'll just go to that mission on Fenwick Street, they got so many clothes over there, it's like going to the mall, and it's all free. So I remember the day that James came walking in the door, broken down in his body, just filthy, dirty, a mess. He came and he said, I'm here to get some new clothes. And I knew in the back of my mind, you might be coming looking for clothes. But God has probably brought you here to get much more than that. I said, well, come on in. And we checked him in. And he spent the night. And he got his clothes. He got a meal. He got a bed. He went to chapel. And he stayed there off and on for about two weeks. Somewhere around that two-week mark, during one of the church services, Mr. James come walking down the aisle And he knelt down on them feeble knees from a body that was wrecked with sin and he knelt down and he placed his hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. It would take him about three years to completely overcome his addictions. But every time he would fall, he'd get right back up. Then he'd fall again, he'd get right back up and run to Jesus and run to the altar. And he became the chef at the mission he just retired early this year or late last year as a chef at the mission and for like eight or nine years he'd get up every morning at four o'clock in the morning put on the grits and start the eggs and and cook breakfast for everybody else you know why he did that because he knew he found hope for himself and if it weren't for him It could work for everybody else to come through them doors. Amen. So he placed his hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this this morning. Where have you placed your hope? Oh, the world has many suggestions. You know, we can place our hope in financial stability. We can place our hope in relationships down here. And not all that's bad, but let me say this. All of that is evil when it takes precedence over anchoring our soul in the gospel. Amen. Let me give you observation number two. Not only do I want you to see the placement of our hope, but number two, I want you to notice the period of our hope. As the apostle was writing, I read verse 19 to you. He said, if in this life only we have hope or we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now, I want you to see that we have continual hope. The apostle says, and and this verse kind of puzzled me for a long time. Why would he say, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable? Have you ever, maybe you've said this before, and I've said it. Man, even if we didn't have heaven, it's better to live for God down here than it is to live, live for the devil. I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, the Christian life is the way to go. But for the Apostle Paul, it was a different story. He suffered as much as any other apostle. He was persecuted as much as anybody. As a matter of fact, he says in, in 2 Corinthians 11 that he, of the Jews he was beaten uh, uh, five times. He received 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was he beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. A night and a day he spit in the deep. And he goes on and on and on and he lists all the persecutions. He said that he was in perils of robbers, in perils of waters, in perils on the land, in all these things. And then he summed it up. He says, all that plus the care of all these churches that i have started as a missionary. The point he was making was, as an apostle and as a Christian, he suffered greatly because he was outspoken. For his faith. So he says, as he's arguing about the resurrection, he says, listen, if in this life only we have hope, I'm going to tell you, we're of all men most miserable. What he's saying is this, why would I put my neck on the line day in and day out and suffer all these things if there's not more to it than this? See, the Apostle Paul knew there was more to it than this. What he was saying was, there's no way I would jeopardize myself if the resurrection of us believers was not true and real and yet to come. See, Paul had a better hope. He had a continual hope, but not only that, he had a current hope. Well, let me back up and say this. I want to note this, eternal life that Paul was trusting in and that you and I trust in, eternal life is not just more of the same. Are you with me? Are you awake? Say amen. Amen. Eternal life is not just longer life. Eternal life, you know, listen, some some people, you know, if you tell them, hey, the Lord will give you eternal life, you know what their answer would be? And I've had this answer. Well, why would I want more of this? My life's a wreck. Listen, I've ministered to people and, and I've, I've sat there and, and saw their situation, saw their difficulty, and I thought, man, if I was in their shoes, I don't know, what, I don't know if I would have any hope. But see, eternal life, It's not just extended life. It's not some type of warranty protection for this body. Eternal life is God life. Did you know? that? Listen, before we're saved, we have corruptible bodies. Even now, our bodies are very corruptible. But there's coming a day. When our bodies will be changed. In a moment, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, at the trump of God, when the last trump shall sound, we will be changed. And so the argument that he's making is this. Yes, we have a future life to look forward to, but we have current hope as well. What he means is this, and what I'm trying to say is this. There's hope for every marriage today. There's hope for every home. There's hope for every broken heart. There's hope for every wayward child. There's hope for every problem. There's hope for every difficulty. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. There is hope. I'll tell you this story about a couple that I knew in Florida, in the town where, where I'm from and where Pastor Malcolm is from. It's uh, Fort Pierce, Florida. And uh, there, there's a church in Lakewood Park, Uh, Florida, which is just right there in Fort Pierce, you know, and the pastor's name is Craig and my friend that goes there, his name is David. And there was a brand new uh, 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 couple in that church, matter of fact, this couple was living in the woods, poverty stricken, addicted, just a difficult situation, the church reached out to them and they, they got saved. And just a short while after they got saved and they were trying to put all the pieces of their life back together and struggling, the wife became pregnant. And in in her struggle, she didn't see a way to bring that child into the world and anything good become of it. Brand new Christians, kind of weak in the faith. So several weeks into this thing, she decided that she would abort this child she confided in in a friend at the church who then the night before she was going to to have this procedure done she told the pastor the pastor whose name is Craig called my friend whose name is David and they got together and they got a plan to try to go in the next morning and find her at whichever clinic she may be. It was going to be a shot in the dark, but they were going to try. So the next morning, they, they went to the first clinic and they searched the parking lot. They knew about what time she was going to go, but not where. And they couldn't find her anywhere. No car, no sign of her. Well, the, they, they went to the next facility And they were coming around the back alley, pulling in the parking lot, and the bumper almost hit with this lady. And they got out of the car, and they went to the window. And she said to them, how did you know I was here? And she was startled. And they said, we just knew. We found out. God revealed to us, and we're here to help you. We're here to show you there's something different you can do besides go through this procedure. And she began to cry, and she told them, there's just no hope. I don't see a way out of this. It would be better if this child is never born. And they said, oh, no, honey. Oh, no, trust us. There's a God in heaven who gave this child life, and that God loves this child, and that God loves you, and you may not see a way, and you may not see an answer, but there is hope in Christ. She broke down in tears and she said, okay, will y'all help me? And they said they pledged to help her. And she turned that car around. Several months later, born to her and her husband was a healthy baby boy. They named that baby David Craig in honor of the preacher Craig and my buddy David that intervened and showed her Listen, there's hope in this life and hope in the life to come. Amen. Let me ask you this question. You realize that we have hope in Christ now and forever? Number three, lastly, I want you to see the purpose of our hope. Why does God give us hope? Why does he make this available to us? Well, I think verses 50 through 58 tell us a little bit about that. You see, the whole point of this discourse by the Apostle Paul was to prove that there was a resurrection. He started off the chapter by arguing that Jesus Christ has rose from the dead. Then he moves into the argument that all believers will also one day Rise from the dead in a bodily form. Did you know that? Listen, we will will rise in a bodily form just like Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Verse 51 says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Why do we need to be changed? Well, because verse 50 says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. In other words, before we can enjoy eternity with our Savior, this corruptible body has to be changed into something like His. Incorruptible or a glorified body. Now, the Bible tells us, as it is written, there's none righteous. No, not one. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In other words, we must be changed. Check this out. The point is this. The hope, the hope of a great change coming on the other side of eternity is sufficient to change us on this side of eternity. The Apostle Paul is saying, you don't need the latest and greatest self-help thing. You don't need to, 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 to buy in to, you know, to everything that comes down the pipe. He's saying the fact that Christ rose and the fact that you as God's child will rise and will be changed over there is sufficient to give you hope over here. So how come we walk around so many times acting like we have no hope? Because we have got our eyes on everything here and on nothing over there. Can I tell you this? There's coming a day you're going to put off that body and put on a new one. There's come a day where there'll be no more heartaches, there'll be no more sickness, amen, there'll be no more cancer, there'll be no more funeral homes, there'll be no more grave, there'll be no more heartache, there'll be no more separation, there'll be no more of all those things that wreak havoc on our bodies and on our spirits this side of heaven. In the hope of a great change tomorrow, should change us today so hope changes us but hope also challenges us hope challenges us I don't know about you but understanding what God has done for me and what God is going to do with me challenges me to live for God that's why in verse 58 he said therefore My beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want to end by telling you this little story that happened with me. I used to work at a golf course in South Carolina. I worked there because Pastor Malcolm got me the job. Uh, That's a strange story in and of itself. But when I moved to go to Bible college in 1995, I literally followed Brother Malcolm and Miss Tammy from Florida to South Carolina and moved in with them and and his in-laws, with Tammy's parents. And uh, about the, I guess about the second week of that, (laughs) Preacher Malcolm came to me, he said, all right, (laughs) he said, this just ain't going to work. He said, I don't even like having to be at my in-laws. He said, I want to introduce you to a blessed anointed book. It was the Iwana, the local sales shopper. He said, look in here and you can find a place to rent. So he got me that job and then I found a place to rent and I moved out. But the job at the golf course was working at, uh, I was a greenskeeper, which simply meant I mowed the yard. And I raked the sand traps. And we had this John Deere three-wheel uh, 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 sand rake is what it was called. And you get on it, and it has like half of a spark plug, no muffler, and it just pop, 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 barely runs. But if you get going downhill and put it in neutral, man, you could fly. And so I love that thing because of the hills, you know. And, uh, and I was on that thing one day, and I got to thinking... You know, we had been doing the homeless ministry for a couple years. And I had never seen anybody's life really change in that ministry. I'd been preaching my, my heart out. We had lots of people get saved. But I didn't have one person I could point to. Like Mr. Dennis I showed you a while ago. He didn't come until years later. I didn't have anybody that I could point to and say, I saw God change their life. And I got discouraged. And people would ask me, hey, brother, how many people are not homeless anymore? And I was like, well, none yet. And one day I was on the golf course and I was riding on that three-wheel contraption. It's really a death trap is what it was. And I got to praying and I was talking to God and I said, Lord, I'm kind of discouraged here. I said, would you please show me somebody's life who you've changed? And you know what he did? The Lord whispered in my ear, He said, How about look at your own life? And I was driving out the fairway and, and I was to thinking about that. And I thought, Well, man, just a couple years ago, I was a sure enough heathen. Then I, I, I said, Well, man, just, it was just a few months ago when I surrendered to be a preacher. And God said, Hadn't your life changed? I got so happy. I was like Paul in verse 10. I got to thinking about the grace of God, how he changed my life. God is my witness. I jumped off of that machine, ran a couple laps around and had to chase it down, down the fairway. What I realized was that God had changed me. And God is changing all of us. And that change God's making in our life should give us hope to live tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. Thank you for being so attentive. Every head bowed and every eye closed, if you will. This is the most important time of the service. It's called the invitation. And the reason we call it the invitation is because this is when, when we want to invite you to do business with God. We've got men and ladies on this altar. They have Bibles, and they're ready to pray with you. If you're in a situation and you don't see any hope, why don't you bring that situation to Jesus right now? If your family has trouble, if your job has trouble, why don't you bring that to the Lord now and just kneel at the cross and say, Lord, here I am. I need your help and I need your strength. Maybe somebody here that says, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure where I would spend eternity. Do you know this? The Bible tells us, He that hath the Son hath life. But he that hath not the Son of God shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth upon him. What that means is if you've never come to the Lord and repented of your sins and asked Christ to save you, you're still in a situation right now where if you died today, hell would be your home. Is God speaking to your heart? Has God been talking to you? Have you been running? I wonder, would you come this morning Say, God, I'm not running anymore I'm not putting it off anymore God, I know you're calling me And here I am I'm coming home today Say, what do I need to do, preacher? Slip out of your seat Come to this altar God will do the rest Will you come while he sings? Right now would you come God bless you him